0: Well, blessings everyone, this is Dale, thank you so much for joining with me today Uh, We're going to continue looking at the empowerment of the Holy Spirit The spiritual gifts that we've been looking at and the last several episodes Really showing us how the body of Christ is to function together How we're to live together, how the Lord has structured us, okay? How He wants us to be And the more we learn about it, uh, the more we see that we are not functioning that way We're not living that way We've looked at four major passages that deal with spiritual gifts and give us some insight how they work. And the bottom line is this, that every person who is truly saved has the Holy Spirit within them. And the Holy Spirit is the one who releases his giftedness as he desires. And that is done at the behest of the Father and the Son and that marvelous mystery of the triune nature of God. And that these uh, this giftedness, this empowerment is for the common good for the good of the body of Christ. Now it's also for the good of the world, it's good for the kingdom of God, but it's good for the body of Christ. And there's anywhere some people say there's nine spiritual gifts. I know where they get that. I think there's more. If you actually add up all the things that are referenced in these various passages, I think there's 19 things that are named. But you actually get an idea And that the combining together of all these things, uh, that it's really a limitless way that the Spirit can move uh, in and through somebody as He desires. But we were forewarned about something here by Paul in 1 Corinthians 13. In 1 Corinthians 12, he tells us about how we're one body and we function together as one by the Spirit. But then at the end of chapter 12, he says, but let me show you a more excellent way. Chapter 13, the more excellent way is the way of love. And we've just looked at that recently. And it's the way of love that we are to live and breathe and do everything in love. And he actually gives the examples. He said, if, I, if I'm phenomenal at prophecy, if I do all this stuff, if I heal everything, and yet I have love, I'm nothing. So he's showing that it's not the, the giftedness of the Spirit per se, it's the love. Remember what Jesus said. He said that the world will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. Okay, by your love for one another, not by your correct doctrine of theology, not by your great programs, not by the size of your church, not by your buildings, not by anything like that. It's by our love for one another. That's how the world will know. And so he told him in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians to love one another. He says we have faith, we have hope, we have love. Yes, but the greatest of these is love. Now. We go directly into chapter 14. Remember, no chapter division, no versification in the original. He says this, chapter 14, verse 1, Pursue love. Now, these verses right here, they get to the point where every word's important, right? Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spirituals, spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, there's so much right here in this verse, this one little verse, so much that is overtly spoken and some things that are inferred and make you wonder about some things and actually give us insight into what uh, uh, people might say about things, okay? because you imagine, there's great debate over all these issues within the body of Christ. So let's just look at it real quick. He tells us to pursue love. Pursue means what? Yeah, sort of chase after, to go after. Love does not always come spontaneously and automatically. The thing that usually comes spontaneously and automatically is the response of the flesh and the soul, right? The response of want to get mad about something, that type of thing, you know? He says, no, no, pursue love. And in the 13th chapter, he showed us what that was. Remember all what love was? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. We are to pursue that. That pursuing also carries an idea in my mind that it has some labor involved with this. It's something that you actively have to do. It's something that you make a determination within your mind and within your heart that you're going to pursue this. I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to love. You know what? My emotions may immediately jump up with something and not want to love, but I'm going to love. So I'm going to pursue that. I want to keep that in mind. That's going to be foremost in everything that I'm going to pursue love. But then he says, "It's pursue love, comma, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts." So he's letting them know there's nothing wrong with desiring spiritual gifts. Now this gets to an issue that uh, is very prevalent out of out of my background within the body of Christ. Uh, You'll often hear it said that uh, each person receives at least one gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I know what they mean by that, and that is true in the sense. The better way to say it is when you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, I believe that the Holy Spirit is able to do whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do because he's already told us that, that he gives us the gifts as he desires. We're told in 1 Thessalonians not to quench the Spirit. I think we can quench the Spirit and we can reject the gifts that the Lord wants to give within us. We can refuse to function within them. But quite often it's said that the Lord will give you one or two or three. He'll give you the spiritual gifts that you have when you're saved and that's it. That's it. In other words, that's what you're going to have from that moment on through the balance of your life here on earth. Well, if that is true, then why does Paul say right here, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts? Well, people will come back and they'll say, well, he's really talking about them as the body of Christ functioning together, that we should desire for the spiritual gifts to function together. Absolutely. I can totally agree with that. Okay, And that may, very well may be the major teaching of this, the major understanding of it, that we are desire that, and we're to desire as the body for each one of us to be functioning in the way that God has called us to function. But I think there's probably a little more to it, and it's just that that we would desire that the Spirit does what He desires to do in us every moment of every day. So, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Now listen to this next part of the sentence, but especially that you may prophesy." Huh, now, if that means exclusively that we're to desire that that the spiritual gifts function within the body of Christ, then why would Paul say, especially that you may prophesy if the Lord had not released the spiritual gift to prophesy upon somebody? Should we desire to have that gift that we haven't experienced yet, in other words? And I see, that's the reason I'm thinking that it's the type of thing that we can sit there and say, Lord, use me as you desire, the reason Paul says that you may prophesy, he explains to the balance of this chapter. Okay, And what is prophesying? Usually when we hear prophesying, we're thinking of somebody uh, pulling some type of Karnak moment. And I know I'm revealing my age when I say that, but it's an old, an old skit from the uh, uh, Johnny Carson show, right? Night show. Now, we think of prophecy as being sitting there and foretelling something that is yet to happen, something that's going to happen in the future. Well, there's definitely that element of it. There's no doubt. Okay, There's prophesying like that. But the word also means, and you see it throughout the Scripture, prophesying means to speak forth the truth, to tell the truth. So he's saying, I want you to pursue love, pursue love, and desire spiritual gifts, earnestly desire them. See, that earnest carries the idea of, of, of pursuit again, of going after, not just sitting and saying, well, God, I want this, and laying back. You know. He says, no, earnest, earnestly desire, but especially that you may Prophesy. Now, what we're going to see is that Paul is setting up a juxtaposition between two spiritual gifts that he's going to talk about in this chapter, because there was a problem in the church at Corinth. Can you imagine that? As a matter of fact, locally, uh, where I am right now and online even, we're going to be doing uh, uh, studying 2 Corinthians in the fall of uh, 2017. And it sort of deals with a lot of this, what was going on with the church at Corinth, the problems they were having. And this is one of the issues that was going on. And I remember Paul had really, really built them up and talked about how wonderful they were and what God was doing. And it was totally true. But there were issues. So just like we are today. And he's saying this, I know there's a problem right there. I know there's friction between giftedness within the body. And the friction was along this line, those who prophesy, and those who speak in tongues. (laughs) Guess what? The same friction exists today because we don't listen to the Word of God. Some people just want to cast those gifts out and say, oh, they don't exist. They'll say, oh, well, 1 Corinthians 12 is not for today, but 1 Corinthians 13 is for today. But 1 Corinthians 14 is not for today, but 1 Corinthians 15 is for today. You can't do that. You can't cut and paste that way. Anyway, I've passed my time right here. And so uh, begin to read this. Go back and read 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and watch what happens when we get into 14. Pursue love. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Again, I'm Dale. Pass the word about these times. I'll see you again.